You're listening to the Goal Line Stand Podcast with Jackson Caudell and Kobe Reed, where we break down all things college football, including breaking news, recruiting, gameplay, and more. Let's get straight to it. Welcome back to the first June edition of the Goal Line Stand. This is Jackson Caudell. That is Kobe Reed. You're all moved into a new house, and it's like the first podcast episode in in the new place. How how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's been a busy last couple of weeks, but trying to stay on top of my A game with college football. You know, it's it's June. We're getting that much closer to the season. Recruiting starting to pick up. Hearing a lot of things. Hearing a lot about new conference schedules. Hearing a lot just going around the college football world right now. But other than that, how are you doing? It's good, man. You know, life is good. When when you pick up a, a three-star commit like Georgia Tech just did with Trey Horn, who I think is better than his rating and can be a pretty good wide receiver, you're always feeling good. So that's where I want to kind of lead off today. Um, and you can chime in with whatever you feel like. Um, 2024 athlete from Raven Gap, Georgia, Trey Horn. He, he was on an official visit over the weekend. Things were looking pretty good. He committed today uh, about 12 minutes ago at the time of the recording of this episode. So that's a really good get for Georgia Tech. They they had some commits there. They had some top targets there. And that's going to continue throughout the month of June. You know, there was big news yesterday. Four-star tight end Kylan Fox from Grayson. I saw him at the prospect camp last week. He was on a, He was on an unofficial visit last week. He canceled his visit with Miami. And now he's got one with Georgia Tech upcoming this and he's a top 20 player in the state of Georgia, a four star player. He's going to play tight end at the next level. I know he plays some defensive end, um, in, in high school as well, but that, that was some big news for Georgia Tech. So a little bit of momentum there. They got to land some of these guys, but you know, they, they got a little bit of momentum there. And I, I think a, a top 25, maybe I don't know that I'll go top 20 yet. That, 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 that needs to be the goal for, for Brent Key during this first year. Of course, results on the field will do more for that than anything. So, you know, we're less than three months away from them kicking off the season against Louisville. And that's kind of, you know, the next topic I was going to segue into is we got game times last week. It was kind of like a, a little miniature holiday for college football fans. Usually you get it in May. You can start looking forward to and planning games. That That's, you know, we did an episode maybe a month or two ago about where we thought college game day could go. Now you can kind of start seeing that planned out with game times and such. Any big takeaways other than Georgia Tech has two primetime games in the first three weeks of the season? Oh, Got to love it when GT gets some notoriety going. But now I'm just very – I'm curious on how they're going to do all this because, you know, they got the new TV deals going on. You got the whole conference realignment all over the place now. I'm just very interested to see, like, which games they focus on. And then you just got some dude by the name of Deion Sanders hogging all the spotlight out there in the Pac-12. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how they space out these games, what games do they try to focus on, which games get primetime, ESPN, CBS, Fox, all that good stuff. Um, I think Fox named it, renamed it the Big Deion kickoff now, isn't it? Isn't that what they're going to call it? Something like that. I big can't remember. Okay. I mean, Colorado, they have two big noon kickoffs in the first three weeks, and they have an ESPN game scheduled. I've, the the opponent's escaping me right now. But, man, my thing is I've heard people say it a ton. Get Colorado early because, obviously, their win total's not high. It's, it could be a little bit of a bumpy first season. But get get the show early. Then when they fade out, you know, that's when they're going to head to the Pac-12 network 
until next year. I was about to say when, whenever they look one and four, two and six, something like that, they're not about to get. ESPN. Also, USC is the team is the conference's best hope for a playoff contender, and their first two games are on Pac-12 Network. That's sorry, I'm okay. sorry, it's just bad. That's I wanted to get that note in there before you continue. But I mean, also like we've talked about this before the show, dude. The week one and week two slates just aren't. It's, you know, last year, I know some of the games is like Oregon and Georgia was a clunker. Like that, yeah. that was a terrible game, but it was something, you know, it we had hype going into previewed it, you know? it, it pretty extensively. Yeah. Now, I mean, like, I think North Carolina, South Carolina will be a fun game. Yeah. Should it be the headliner of a Saturday? I don't like it. Just that's a 3 30 game to me. Like, I mean, who, who knows? Drake May versus Spencer Rattler in a dogfight. That, yeah, that could gain some attention. And if, if North Carolina's defense is any better than it was last year, buddy, get ready for some points because <laughs> I was going to say, if North Carolina's defense is anything like it was last year and Spencer we're Rattler, gonna, we're going to fire up and Spencer Rattler hot train again is what we're going to do. Yeah, I was about to say, North Carolina might make Spencer Rattler look like a top five. And team. then it's all going to come crashing down in two weeks when they go to Athens, but that's a story for a different day. Um, yeah, the, I, you know, the the biggest thing I took away was people have to remember is ESPN can't have Big Ten anymore. Yeah. Because I saw some people wondering what they were doing because, you know, they have South Carolina, North Carolina week one. Honestly, I figured that was going to happen. I thought maybe it would be Colorado TCU, but news kind of leaked earlier that that, that game was going to be on Fox. So that took that away. Week two is Washington State and uh, Washington. That's not a, they weren't going to pick a, or not Washington State. Washington State, Wisconsin. Excuse me. That which is a, a interesting game. Um, Washington State went to Washington, Wisconsin, and beat them last year. But you have Texas, Alabama at the same time on ESPN. So you weren't going to put a big heavy hitter on there. And then you get the backyard brawl with Pitt and West Virginia. Week three. I think that's a fine start to the season. Like that, it was you know w- the the headliner for the first couple weeks. One Florida State LSU is on a Sunday, so it doesn't really mix in. And like even Florida and Utah, they're on a Thursday. So I mean, yeah, and both of the, you know Utah's favored. Last time I saw it was by nine and a half at home. So that that game could get a little funny. So mm. yeah, I thought I thought it was just interesting. Then you know we've got the the Big Ten every other week is going to be on CBS as well. Iowa has are they've already got two CBS games. I I, I know you know that. Yeah. Um, you know Penn State Iowa. We have an eight o'clock CBS kickoff, and that's going to be a ton of fun. So um, when you hear that CBS theme song and you're thinking thinking you're about to watch an Alabama Tennessee game and Iowa walks out on the field, that's going to makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't gonna know how to act. Yeah. So yeah, definitely some some uh, interesting schedules. But I guess you know any thoughts. Uh, any quick thoughts, I guess, on the eight-game SEC schedule? That That's kind of been the big topic. I was hoping they would go to nine. I was really hoping they would go to nine. We're going to have eight for at least this season, I think. Uh, bottom line, they're going to have to move to nine. And, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before the show, but whenever you add two more teams to the SEC, you got to get more conference games in there. Because, like like you said before the show, I mean, Georgia's never been to a and I mean, if we only have – eight conference games, what are the odds we see Georgia go to Norman, Oklahoma, or we see South Carolina go to Austin, Texas? Like, what are the odds? You know what I'm saying? We got to get it spaced out. You got to get teams going to other campuses and playing and that kind of deal. And I feel like you can only accomplish that in such a shortened season in nine games. Because if you play eight and you leave four non-conference games, 
how are, how is that going to affect rivalries? How is that going to affect because Georgia's going to get Georgia Tech. Yep. Georgia's also going to have Florida. But then when you have teams like Bama that have an in-conference rival like Auburn or LSU playing Texas A&M, like how is that going to affect those teams? Yeah, I mean, it, and from at least what, what it was reported is, you know, it's going to be like one permanent rival, seven rotating. So yeah. it, it, it's going to be interesting how that shakes out because the SEC usually releases their schedule pretty early. SEC and Big Ten, like probably by the, the fall, they'll have their full schedules for next year. That's typically when the ACC is always – the ACC and Big 12 are always late to the party for whatever reason. They don't do this till January. So, um, yeah, I was a little disappointed that we're only going to get an eight-game conference schedule and we're not going to get a little more. And just a one odd point, like it's going to feel like a bowl game for some of these games. Like you just yeah. mentioned, like South Carolina going to Texas, like that's going to be weird watching. Like if when they – whether it's in Columbia or Austin, like it's just going to be a weird thing to kind I'm of – Like OU going to Knoxville, like that's going to be so weird. That's going to have like an Alamo Bowl feel to it. Like that. that's going to – that's going to be fun, but, you know. Man, you would think with all the money pushing with the big conferences and realignment and everything, the ESPN would have been like, hey, we need an extra conference game here. We're paying all this money for SEC football. I don't want to watch Alabama play New Mexico State in November. I don't want to see Georgia play uh, – I don't know who what easy game they have. Is it UAB or somebody this year? Like, it's kind of – I don't know. Yeah. Um, Cakewalk. But when we last – left you we gave our top 10 quarterbacks for the upcoming season and naturally that's just going to lead us into running backs um man i guess we better jump into it like i do you want to lead us off this time or did, did you lead us off last time how do you want to start this i'll lead it off i got to take uh we'll do our honorable mentions at the end of course but right there at number 10 i'm gonna start it out with a hot take simply because i don't know what to do with this running game, and that is the Ohio State running backs, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. I got them tied right there at number 10, simply because both of them talent-wise and what you see them do on the field, both of them are phenomenal. They both have great skill sets. They're both talented running backs. Neither one can stay healthy. I can't remember the last time both of them were healthy and playing in the same game. So I'm going to put them right there at number 10, simply out of respect. I mean, we've seen what they do on the field, but the talent level in both individual players, I think they both could be top 10, but we need to see both of them on the field, see them in tandem. And I'm sure they're going to be a 1A, 1B. It's not just going to be one of them taking all the snaps uh, throughout the season. But I have them right there at number 10. Man, I really thought Ohio State missed Travion in that Georgia game. He's yeah, just the top – the, the, just the – he can score a touchdown from literally anywhere on the field. Mayan Williams is more of a physical runner. Like it's, it's way overused, but it's really a thunder lightning type of a deal. Like you're, you're going to get. So actually, I, it's interesting you mentioned that and I might be over my head because I was, I had Travion on the Bijan level last year. I was just over my heels for him. I, I mean, we at, all did. I mean, honestly, I was number, I have him at number six going into the season and it's just purely based on talent. He is one of, the best high school running backs I've ever seen. That freshman season he has what he had was phenomenal. Yeah. I wonder if they're like I know the receiving room is disgusting, but like I wonder, you know, because the quarterbacks looked like for for Ohio State just kind of average in spring. So I'm just, I wonder if maybe they'll lean more on the running game. But then you know they're gonna they're missing three starting offensive linemen, which yeah, is that was, that was about in our, in our Big Ten preview at some point down the road. I, that, that, I have concerns about a team that has a seventy plus percent blue chip ratios. Yeah. Um, I had Travion at number six. My number ten is I'm sticking in the Big Ten, and 
you might think that Ohio State has the best running back duo in the Big Ten. I think it's maybe second or third best because I think it's not even the best in their division. I think Penn State, Nick Singleton is is man. I, I love this Penn State team. I've said that probably more times than I should have already, but I think Nick Singleton is in for a big season. They return the best offensive line in the Big Ten. Yes, you heard that, Michigan fans. That Penn State will have the best offensive line in the Big Ten this year. They're gonna have a killer running game, and Singleton's gonna be the head of it. Like that, I just I love what he brings to the table. He broke out. Um, it was kind of maybe midway through the season when he really started to crank up, and Penn State started to really uh, run run their offense through him. But it, I think he's in for a big season. You have him in your top ten. I I actually had him at number nine. Oh, okay, so that, that perfect. Yeah, we can segue right into that. Yeah, I think. As far as potential goes, this kid's going to be good, man. And we've seen some good running backs come out of Penn State and Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. He might be up there with Saquon Barkley to me. I think the kid has all the intangibles. Physically, the kid is there, dude. He's, what, 18, 19 years old? He is a He he could be drafted if he was in next year's draft. He's that good. And with the – Head of steam that Penn State's heading into the season with, they're going to rely on him a lot. I know they're going to have Drew Alar in there, so he's going to be QB1 now. I feel like while you're breaking in Drew Alar, don't be surprised if these first four weeks we see Nick Singleton put up some big boy stats because they're going to work their QB in as they work into uh, more Big Ten conference conference games. Nick Singleton is going to be carrying the rock a lot, and I honestly, he – he might be up there as far as Bijan Robinson type yeah. hype in the season. He's number ten for me in a split role. Like to me, and I think he's gonna. They're still gonna because they they have a, a stable of backs. Like they're they're gonna be a really good backfield this year. But he he could be much higher on on this. I think it's just I don't want to go. I don't want to do too much too soon here with him. But yeah. I mean, he has clear number one potential. And it's going to be kind of a theme for me. I'm going to stay in the Big Ten right here. And for a forgotten man, you know, we we talked about this kid last year as, as a big-time player. The team didn't have nearly the season they wanted. But Braylon Allen at Wisconsin, everybody is talking, and I, I get it. They're talking about, oh, Luke Fickle brought in Phil Longo as OC from North Carolina. They're going to throw the ball around. They got all these quarterbacks, receivers to the portal. I'm telling you, they're still going to run the ball. Yeah. I think because, like, Wisconsin needs to recruit to this offense a little bit first and maybe another transfer portal class before they can really open this thing up. And let's not forget that Phil Longo had Javante Williams and Michael Carter at North Carolina just a couple of seasons ago. And they put, it was like 500 yards in one game on Miami at one point. Like it, it was, they ran the ball a lot. And I think you're going to see something similar to that while they kind of settle their passing game in. Don't forget about Braylon Allen. Yeah, I mean Braylon Allen, he is a dog, and we I love seeing good Wisconsin running backs. Remember the days back when they had Monty Ball, Melvin Gordon, James White, James White. I love seeing good Wisconsin running backs. And last year, Braylon Allen had twelve hundred yards. He had eleven touchdowns. I mean, I think he's accumulated like probably like twenty five hundred rushing yards in the last two seasons. Like the kid is good, and he's. He can carry. It was, it was a quiet twelve hundred yards last year because Wisconsin fell way short of expectations. Fired Paul Christ halfway through the year. Yeah, yeah. And now you got new head coach Luke Fickle. I think you're going to rely on that running game a lot, especially when you're playing teams like Ohio State that can just air mm-hmm. the ball out. You're going to need a running back to help control the tempo of that game. I think Braylon Allen fits that perfectly. You can give him twenty five, thirty touches a game, and he'd still be rolling. Yep. Who you got at number eight? At number eight, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten with you. He is at RB2, 
on his team, but I feel like on almost any other team in the country, he could be RB, RB1, and that is Donovan Edwards from Michigan. My number I, seven. See, I, I like him a lot right there at number eight. Uh, kid, he had almost, I think he had almost 1,000 yards last year. I think he had like 900-something. Yeah. The kid is dynamic, and we saw that whenever – uh, Michigan played Ohio State. Whenever you have Blake Corm dealing with injuries and that kind of thing, you can rely on a Donovan Edwards. You can rely on him to make big plays. Whenever you bring out Blake Corm, he's their guy. And I feel like he could be the number one running back on a lot of teams all around the country. Um, I feel like it would have been a dis- disservice to him leaving him out of this top ten, even though he's not the number one guy on his team. But I think his skill set and everything he's shown on tape, I like him right there number eight. He brings the big play burst to that Michigan offense. I think they're going to use him a lot this year. I mean, you hit everything like uh, right there. He's my number seven. And like I said, it's crazy. You know, we're talking about just in the Big Ten East, you have three dynamic duos. We'll get to Michigan's other half, I'm sure, in a little bit. We talked about Ohio State. We've talked about Penn State. Like, it's crazy to have Donovan Edwards could be a starter on so many Power Five teams. There's not – like, I think Donovan Edwards will start at Georgia is the thing about it. Like, I think he's better than any back on Georgia. Like, it's not a slight at Georgia running backs. I just – in terms of talent, like, I think he could fit in in a lot of places. And, yeah, so my number eight, I'm going to go – I'm getting out of the Big Ten for once, and I'm going to go with Raheem Sanders at Arkansas – Man, they they really focused in. Uh, I think he's gonna have to be the vocal point of this offense. Like I know KJ Jefferson really gets the uh, get get gets the headlines and everything, but their their passing game really took a step down when Traylon Burks left after last year, the season before, which I was afraid of. I think he's gonna get a ton of carries this year. I'm not big on Arkansas this year, as we'll find out later this summer, but I still think he's a one of the best backs in the country. You said Raheem Sanders. Yes. Okay. For some for some reason, I was thinking. <laughs> you remember Buddy that played uh, running back? I think he was in the Last Chance You show. Um, he played running back at Arkansas. For some reason, that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, Raheem Sanders. I, I love him. I love his game. I mean, kid. I, I think he had fourteen hundred yards last year, ten touchdowns. Uh, him and KJ Jefferson together. I'm very interested to see what they do this year. Um. I think honestly, I had him a little bit higher on my list, but I like him right there in the top ten just because he can carry the load. And like you said, with Arkansas's passing game taking a step down from last year, they didn't mm-hmm. have any bona fide number one receivers. Um, I feel like this year he can go into the season with just off the momentum he had last year, and I feel like he can be just as effective. I wish everybody could have seen the look you just gave me when I said Raheem instead of Rocket because it it did take you a second like that. That was well, I heard it and then in my brain another image popped up in my brain. I was like, oh man, I'm confused. When I was going back and reading through some of the stats and just some of the stuff through me, like it called him Raheem and like I just that's what I have I wrote down on my paper. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you know. Um, <laughs> so I guess hit your number seven because my number seven was Donovan Edwards. Oh, uh, right there at number seven, I did have Braylon Allen. Okay, so yeah, yeah. so we did have that. I had Travion at number six. Who was who? Who did you have at six? Oh, at number six, I had Will Shipley. Okay, he's on my list too, but we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I had Will Shipley. I I love his game. He is so explosive. Mm -hmm. You turn on the film, like you can go look up his highlights on YouTube. He's just entertaining TV. Like you just love watching Will Shipley touch the football. Had over eleven hundred yards last year. Fifteen rushing touchdowns last year. I mean, dude was on a bad offense on a bad offense. And so I'm interested to see how the, how he, how he's utilized this year. Cause I don't know 
what they're going to do with Garrett Riley now as their OC, and now you got a new quarterback in Kate Kubl- uh, Kud- Kudnick. Kudnick. Yeah, so I, I don't know how exactly he's going to be util- utilizing a Garrett Riley offense, but if he if you can give him the same amount of touches as he got last year, I guarantee he's going to have another 1,000-yard season. Like, people make the comparison, but, like, he's Christian McCaffrey light. Like, he, he doesn't – He's not as useful splitting out wide or putting in the slot, but he's good at it. Like he doesn't, to me, have the explosive big playability that McCaffrey had. Because, like to me, McCaffrey can score from anywhere on the field. I don't quite feel the same way about Shipley. He's my number three back, though. Like I just, I think he was, he was doing good in an offense that was is just not good scheme wise. And now he's going to go to one of the better play callers in the whole sport. And be utilized. And my thing is, I think he's going to have big production this year. And that's another great running back duo. Phil Moffa could probably start for a lot of Power Five teams too. He, he's a good player. But Clemson's receivers, um, I, I have a lot of questions about. So I wonder if they'll use him a lot. You know, they could have Moffa in the backfield, have Shipley split out somewhere. So um, I'm kind of excited to see how he looks this year. But yeah, he's my he come in at number three for me. Number five, I, I had to do it for the pod, like. It's Devin Neal at Kansas. Like one, he was fantastic last year, man. That it's when you when whenever we preview the Big Twelve, I will have some things I don't want to say about Kansas, like not good things. But like I, you know, last a couple weeks ago, I talked about Jalen Daniels. Like, let me talk about Devin Neal and what I love about this Kansas backfield. Like, he's going to be one of the best backs in the Big Twelve, if not the best back. Like, I think that he is going to have a huge season last year. Really burst on the scene last year. I mean, as did that whole team there for a little bit. I just, I think he's a perfect fit in that offense. I think he's going to be in for a big season. I don't know if you had him even in your top ten, but no, he wasn't in my top ten. I was thinking about putting him in my honorable mentions, but he didn't make my top ten. But I like that pick. I like, I like the direction you're going there because. Yeah. I mean, he was a large part of their early success early on into the season last year, you know. So well, I, when Jalen Daniels went out for injury, they really had to rely on him a lot. Yeah. I mean, and even whenever Jalen Daniels was still there, like there was a game – wasn't there a game where like Jalen – he went like one for 14. Or so. It was like some wild stat, but they still ended up winning the game, and it was because of him. Yeah. I mean, it, he. I, I just thought he was just awesome to watch. I, I I may have ranked him a little high just because you know we have a love for the Jayhawks on this show, but you know America's team. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Who'd you have at number five? At number five, I did have Raheem Sanders. Okay. Um, I guess the, just to touch on him a little bit, I have it right here in my notes. Hey, sixteen of his carries went for twenty plus yards in twenty twenty two. Like that is he his big playability is absolutely insane, especially playing in that SEC West. You're playing physical defenses week in and week out. I, I like what he's able to do, especially whenever they rebuilt their offensive line last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot more time to make his reads, make his cuts, and he was able to make explosive runs out of it. So I liked him right there at number five. Yeah, I, I you know Arkansas obviously Kendall Bryles left for TCU. They brought back Danny Enos, who had been an OC there before under Brett Bielema. Mm-hmm. That scares me a little bit because he was really, really bad at Miami. And then I think he did better at Maryland. I don't, I, I, I'm not going to say whether or not, I don't know for certain if he called plays there. I feel like Mike Loxley may have had a large hand in that. I just hope that that offense doesn't like take away from Sanders, like just ability. That's one thing that worries me, but I'll go to number four and. All the talk is going to be on Jordan Travis, the receivers, how fun that offense is. Trey Benson is going to have such a big year for Florida State in the ACC. And while I, th- I think Shipley is the best back in the ACC, Benson, 
man, you could put a highlight tape of him just trucking dudes. Like, I think he had, like, at least three truck sticks in the Miami game alone, which, you know, it was Miami last year. But Vincent just really just turned it on towards the end of last year, and I I thought it was fun to watch. I think he's going to play a huge role in a team that has legitimate college football playoff aspirations. Like, Mm. man, love some Trey Benson. I had Trey Benson right there at number four, too. You know, he – he had his forced missed tackle rate was fifty one percent last season. Yeah, dude, you can't touch him. Right? You can't bring him down, dude. It takes the whole all eleven players on the defense to bring him down. I like him right there, at number four, and I think he's going to be a big part of Florida State's success. I'm very high on Florida State, probably higher than most right now. But I think as the season progresses and as games are being played, I like what he brings to the table and. You're going to have to give Jordan Travis a break. I feel like Jordan Travis is going to be a star potential Heisman candidate at the at the end of the season, but mm-hmm. Trey Benson is going to be a major major keystone in that offense. Yeah, I mean that that offense is good luck with it. Whoever defensive coordinators, good luck with it. But um, who you got number three? Because my number three was Will Shipley. Uh, my number three, I got Bucky Irvin, Oregon Ducks. Oh. He's an honorable mention of mine. I'll let you have the floor on here. Yeah, he kid is just phenomenal. I mean, a lot like Trey Benson, he missed – he forced like 43% of his carries. He forced missed tackles and stuff like that. He He's just an explosive guy. He can get plays. He can get downhill. He can get you a first down anywhere on the field. And when you have Bo Nix coming back, you're going to have Dan Landing in his second year. I'm not sure how well that Oregon passing game is going to be this year. But whenever you have a dual-threat quarterback in Bo Nix and then you have an explosive running back in Bucky Irving, I feel like they're going to really rely on that running game for a lot of their success. And especially whenever you're playing teams like USC, Washington, you're playing teams that are going to air it out a lot, you're going to have to really slow down the game. Bucky Irving can do that for them. Yeah, I, I wanted to – he probably should be in my top ten, but I just – I couldn't find a place for him. He was – he's in my honorable mentions – my number two, and I saw this kid in person last year, and I really went all in on him afterwards. Quinshawn Judkins is number two. When l- Let me just put it this way. When you are in the SEC, a first-team all-conference player, you're special. Like, that, that that's point-blank period. Like, especially as a running back. Like, he, he was outstanding. 1,567 yards as a true freshman. And 16 touchdowns, dog. Yes, like I, I saw and him splitting time with uh, Zach Evans as well. Like it wasn't like he was just the bona fide number one guy starting yeah. out. And friendly Georgia Tech fans, listen to this. Like I hate to bring it up, but like watching him slice through that defense in Bobby Dodd Stadium was just, yeah. man. I was just, man. I really bought into him after that. I'll just say that. And they're gonna have to contain him in Oxford this year and have fun with that. But yeah, I think he's the best running back in the SEC. He's a first team All American to me. Kid's a stud. There's no way I can say it. I agree. He's my. I think our. I think our number two and number ones are the exact same. I had Jukin, Jukins right there at number two. There's nothing else left to say. I mean, the kid. The kid's a beast, and especially in an offense where you would think, oh, Lane Kiffin, you're bringing in all these transfer quarterbacks. They're going to air it out. No, the that kid, was the whole big thing last year. Is you know, oh, Jackson Dart's here. It's tight. You know, he's going to. They threw the ball so much with Matt Corral, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, they're Zach Evans and Jukins become one of the best pairings of running backs in the country. Now he's the guy. Like, who knows? You know, and they had a big transfer portal addition over the weekend was Akari Franklin from UTSA. So they're they're trying to get some more receivers and, and whatnot. But you know, I think the offense still runs through him. Like, whether say so. Do you want to spoil the surprise of number one, or should I? 
And at number one at running back, we got true freshman Justice Haynes at Alabama. I'm just yes, kidding. Sir. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. Now, Blake Corum, I mean, obviously he's the number one guy. I mean, what he did last year at Michigan and even like we mentioned earlier, he was splitting time with Donovan Edwards and he was still able to put up almost 1,500 yards rushing on the ground. Kid had 18 touchdowns. Dude, it's just nasty, man. I, like, I hope he stays healthy all year because I honestly think he could be sitting at New York, sitting in New York at the end of the season. They missed him a lot in that TCU game. Yep, I agree. They they missed him a ton, and I to me it's it's going to be really hard for a running back to win the Heisman anymore. Like I, yeah. I almost you know it, we talked about it a few years ago, um, or it was kind of a broad discussion point when Devontae Smith won the Heisman. Is like, well, what kind of seasons he going to have to have? And he just kept going, kept going. He had over two thousand yards. It's going to have to be some sort of absolutely special season like that. And I, I'm not saying he's not capable of it, but I think if anybody is, um, uh, it's him. I just I also worry, you know, with him coming back from an injury, maybe they lean on Edwards more a little bit early on until he can get his feet back under him. And it's not, you know, the grueling schedule that Michigan does play early on with all those, you know, tough physical games they're going to have in September. So, um, you know. Uh, but Coram is still I, – I don't know how you couldn't put him number one. He did all that, and he was hurt towards the end of the year. Like, I think he's the best back in the country. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you right there. I mean, it's almost like he had the hype of what Kenneth Walker had at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. But it, it was more like it was just so much more like what he didn't like the impact he brought to the team. Because Michigan is a good team, and they made the playoffs because of, because of him. Yeah. So I'm just very interested to see what he can do, and I hope he can stay fully healthy this year. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. That's your first four games. So I, to me, if you're going to get his legs under him, like, you know, just ease him into it. Yeah, that, that's that. the time. <laughs> I guess let's name some honorable mentions here, some guys we didn't uh, have in our top tens. I'll I'll start off here a, a, a little bit. Like I said, I, I did have the, the Oregon running back there. Like, I – Again, he probably should be in the top ten. I hated not having him in there, but he wasn't in there. Man, I have to shout out America's number two team. You know, Damian Martinez at Oregon State. He he had a really good year last year. He's playing behind maybe the best offensive line in the Pac-12. And I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I know I love the Beavers, but, like, they have an excellent offensive line. I think he's going to have a big year there. Um, Frank Gore Jr., like, I think we all remember what he did in the bowl game. I I felt maybe I was going a little bit too recency biased by putting him in there. He's had a good career at Southern Miss, but I just, I don't know. I, I didn't think he deserved a spot in the top 10, even though it, it was close for me. Um, those, those are the guy, the three guys I hadn't written down as honorable mentions. I don't know if you have anybody else different. Yeah, my honorable mentions, I mean, just to try to say some names you haven't already said, of course, Frank, Jr., Frank Gore Jr. I, I love his game. I love his, I love his post game press conference. I love everything about him. I mean, the kid's a stud. Um, Honestly, I, I would put Jace McClellan in there, Alabama product. I think he's been playing behind uh, Brian Robinson. He's been playing behind Jameer Gibbs. I think he really steps into that number one Alabama running back role this year. Of course, there's a lot of hype with Justice Haynes. Uh, Roydell Williams is still there. You got Richard Young coming in this summer. Alabama's backfield is loaded, but I think he's going to be that keystone running piece in their offense. Um, also, another name, Jarquez Hunter at Auburn. I think he had a lot of hype going into last year, but of course he was playing behind probably one of the worst offensive lines in the SEC, and he was sharing time with Tank Bigsby. I think he really steps up um, with Hugh Freeze's Hugh Freeze's offense at Auburn this year. So that that's all I had in my honorable mentions. 
Yeah, I mean, that, there's a talented group of running backs. I think we've made the point that, like, Bijan was the easy number one last year, and he, he went out and proved it on the field, like, time and again. I think this year was – I think there were some guys, like, I think Corum was, like, you know, the – I won't say easy answer at one, but he's the one that made the most sense, even with his injury. Like, again, I think it could maybe take a little bit for him to ease into the season. I don't know if he's going to quite have the numbers he had last year, especially with Edwards back there. But, like, I, he just had a phenomenal season. I think Judkins, you really, really could have made an argument. He could have made him. number one. Like, Yeah, if, if you wanted to. I, it, I think those are, to me, they those were the clear top two. I think it had been a stretch for anybody else. Like, I think Travion – could be number one if he if he stays healthy and gets enough carries. I, I truly think Nick Singleton could be number one if he stays healthy and has the season I think he's capable of having. And who who knows? Maybe maybe somebody else on the maybe we didn't name like the only him. other name I would think of is just to throw in that conversation, maybe Will Shipley at Clemson. Yeah, that's because you know he's gonna be used a lot because I, I I'm just I, I wonder his overall impact is, I guess, what I'm, I can't wait to see in this new offense. But at this time of last year, we weren't talking about Judkins at all. And yeah. now we're talking about I mean, him. Wait, he was a three. He saw it as a three-star, didn't he? Yeah, he wasn't. It's not like he was some can't-miss prospect. And not to, three, they're good three-star prospects. I'm not yeah. saying not. But, like, you know, you, you see, like, Nick Singleton, was it, Was he not the number one running back in the country? You know, we talked about Bijan last year. He was the number one running back in the country. Travion Henderson was one of the top backs. Even Jameer Gibbs coming out of high school, he was still a household name. But Judkins, nobody really knew about him until you look up at the end of the season, kid has 1,500 yards. Like, he's unreal. <laughs> 1,600 and yeah. a long amount of touchdowns. So I, I, I'm always interested to see with the running back position who could enter the enter the conversation as being one of the best. But you got anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm good, brother. Yeah, the off season rolls on. It we we try to pretend it doesn't exist, but we're close to we're almost at ten ten weeks till the season starts. But we can't wait. But um, we'll be back with more rankings at future positions. I feel like wide receiver is going to be pretty simple as well. We'll see what happens after On a that. Wide receiver, I got some hot takes at wide receiver. <laughs> wide receiver is going to be interesting. But until next time, be sure to go check out allyellowjackets.com. Um, we it's recruiting season. Official visits are coming up. They've had some commitments today. We've got some other Georgia Tech news. I got you covered over there. Go follow Kobe on social media for all he does. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're into Alabama football propaganda, go follow Kobe on social media. But until next time, I'm Jackson Caldell. That is Kobe Reed. Go on, fans out.